Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Our young people are going to slip out. And while they're doing that, why don't you get your Bibles if you have one. If not, look up, lift up your eyes. They're going to put it on the wall for you. I'd like to direct your attention for a few moments tonight to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews the 11th chapter and verse number 34. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 34, one of the most awesome chapters in the entire Word of God. The chapter of faith, the heroes of faith. I've told you this before, but if you ever get the opportunity, you need to read Hebrews 11 from the Amplified Bible. Because in the Greek text, there are nuances to the usage of certain words, and it may be the same word, but it has a different inflection and a slightly different meaning. And the Amplified Bible captures that in this chapter, and it is such an inspiration. It says, by faith, enabled by faith, empowered by faith, uh, so many things that faith does for us. But in verse number 34, it speaks of those who, through faith, quench the violence of fire, who escape the edge of the sword. And especially, I want you to underscore, and out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight. They didn't grow weaker, but they became stronger. I don't know how many of you understand what that verse really implicates, but it has been my experience that the longer I fight, the weaker I get. You ever seen a boxing match? The first match, first round, they're just pounding the the, the the, the stuffing's out of one another, and if it happens to go the full 15 rounds, that last round. But this, this verse promises that there is something that can be gained by faith that will help you to get stronger the more fierce the battle becomes. That ought to be something somebody could take home with you tonight. If nothing else is said, that whatever you're going through right now, if you will hold on to your faith and keep living in faith, God will help you to wax valiant in fight. He will help you to grow stronger as the battle goes on and turn to flight the armies of the aliens. 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 43. Again, Paul writing said, It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. This new body, this resurrected body that we now live in and we enjoy He said, is sown in weakness and is raised in power. 
I want that to get in your thinking tonight. Sown in weakness, raised in power. And then my last reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I almost hesitate to go here because I have often preached from this text. And I know you've heard a lot of messages preached on it. But this is what the Lord has not let me get away from. It begins like this. And he said, it is expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. And heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory I shall not be a fool for I will say the truth. But now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore will I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. I have wrestled with what to call this tonight, but for a lack of a better title, what the devil never counted on happening. Amen. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What the devil never counted on happening. I cannot help but when I read this text and when I am reminded of it in my prayer and in my devotions and reflections upon the Word. When I am brought back to these passages, I cannot help but think how these Scriptures are so fitting for so many of our good people, beloved people. I want to inject the names of our, our people into the text when I read it many times because I feel so often that it 
speaks of us even today. I read recently someone said that it is a great loss to lose an affliction. When I read that, I stumbled for a moment and had to go back and reread it because I thought I had misread it. And I read it again, and it said the second time what it said the first time. That a great loss is one to lose an affliction. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a lot for me to have to digest. What did he mean by that to begin with? And I would certainly say none of us would probably have been the one who quoted or stated that. At least not me. Because it has been my experience to stay as far away from affliction as I can. I want to stay as far away from pain and loss and suffering as I can get. Nobody wants to go through troubled times. I awoke a few weeks ago and I woke with this very, very sick feeling that I've had a few times in my ministry and I knew that day that I was going to deal with something very soon that was going to trouble me. And I hate that. I hate waking up when I... I, 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 the more I, I thought about what I was feeling, the more I tried to push it away, you know, and I started examining myself and trying to find out where it came from, but I've lived for God too long to discount it. I, I know when God's speaking to me, and I realized that morning whether I wanted to receive it or not, it was something I needed to prepare myself for. Though I don't enjoy pain or suffering, I am not a glutton for punishment. I know sometimes if you listen to me preach, you probably think I enjoy being tormented, but I don't. I'm just like you. I am made of the same stuff you are. I do try to take something away from my lessons. I do try to learn something from my experiences. I don't want to be dumb all my life. Amen. I don't want to have to repeat the same thing over and over and over again because I just don't get the message. I I want to learn something, but I don't enjoy it. And so when I read this and it began to speak to me, I realized how true it was that there is a great loss to us when we lose an affliction. Because it was this loss of affliction that brought about the loss of opportunity. For it was in this loss of affliction that a privilege was taken from that individual. And they were not even wise enough to understand what they had lost. You see what the writer was trying to say is that What is lost is the chance at something greater than your suffering. Something greater than your loss is at stake. There is the chance to write out over life something different than what would be expected of you. It would be expected of men and women who suffer to cry. 
It would be expected of men and women who lose things in life to grieve. But it is not always expected of us to gain something from our loss. And so the writer has come to a point in his own experience where he realized that many of the things that he had prayed that God would take away from him were really there for his good and his benefit. And that he had lost an opportunity to gain something greater than his suffering. The psalmist David must have understood something of what this writer had in mind because in the 119th Psalm in Verse 67 and 71, he talks about being afflicted. And he makes this statement that it was good that I was afflicted. It was good that I was sent through pressures and persecution and pain and suffering. It was good that I had to come up on the rough side of the mountain. Because before it came, he said, I went astray. I wandered from God's purpose, but it was that pain and that suffering that brought everything back into clarity for me. And I realized that it was a good thing for me to be going through what I was going through. And I gained something from my suffering. Too many people become bitter or angry or they become brittle And they turn into recluses because of their sufferings and their loss. But to find good in affliction is not always easy to do. And to find good in our suffering, to find good in the hurt that we are going through, or to gain from the pain is not something we often want to talk about. And I am careful tonight to speak of this not only because of our familiarity, but because I realize that when I speak these things, I open myself up. I believe the reason that the Apostle Paul was afflicted was because he had become a prime target for the enemy. The enemy realized that if he could take him down, what devastation he could, he, he could uh, cause in the, in the church and the new believer. And so he comes against him. And I don't know that I understand all the theological ramifications. And if I'm wrong, don't try to correct me right now. Just let me revel in my folly. But I believe what Paul describes in Corinthians 12 is an attack of the enemy. And though God allowed it, it was still from the enemy. And it was intended for other purposes than which it served. The severity of that attack was simply described by Paul in one single word. He said it was a thorn. I don't know how many of you have ever been around thorns before, but I I grew up in West Texas where mesquite trees were notorious for these huge, long, spiny thorns that if they ever punctured you, you knew it. I remember uh, 
something of a thistle that used to grow uh, extravagantly in the peach orchards. And sometimes in your, uh, in your not carelessness, but in your hurry to reach an, a fruit and pull it from the tree, your leg would accidentally brush by one of those thistles. And you talk about pain. I'm talking about things that make you recite more than just your Bible verses for the week. A thorn, hurt. That's what some of you know about tonight. You can't talk about it because it's too personal. And you can't talk about it because it hurts too much. That's the way it was for Paul. It was a thorn. It pierced. The Greek indicates something that pierced deeply. It was not some scratching of the surface. It was not a toe ache or a a, a hangnail. It was something that was so deep that evidently Paul rolled in agony on the floor, begging God to take this away from him, praying that God would hear him and God would remove this suffering. Somehow in my mind, I believe Paul was like you and I, He thought, you know, God, if you'll take this away, I would be a better preacher if I didn't have to go through this. I'd be a better man if I didn't have to suffer this pain. I would be a better soul winner if I didn't have to wrestle with this uncomfortable situation and and to go through all of the agonies of this experience. He, He no doubt pleaded that before God. God, if you would just take this away from me, if you would... Remove this from my life. I could serve you a whole lot better. God didn't answer him. God just stayed silent. And so he prayed again. And God still didn't answer him. You know, sometimes God's like that. God doesn't answer us in the way we want when we want. But that doesn't mean he's not going to answer The good thing about this story is Paul didn't give up and Paul didn't quit and he didn't throw in the towel and say, you know what, I've had enough of this living for God business. If this is all it is, I'm through. That's what a lot of people in our culture do. If, If they run into the least little problem, they think, well, this is not what Christianity is supposed to be. Isn't it amazing that when something bad goes wrong, the first thing they want to throw it on is Christianity and, and the weakness of our, our faith and our beliefs. But when everything good's going on, nobody wants to give God credit or even any attention. And so it was for Paul. He prayed. I've tried to imagine what it was like for Paul. I, I, I've tried to think what I would have done. I know how I've wrestled with God around here some nights. I've rolled on these floors. I've laid on this carpet and bellowed like a bull, just screaming out, crying out for God to come and help me and get this burden, take this pain away, change this situation. And nothing happened. I remember one night while we were in ICU with, with, with Celicia when her brain had the hemorrhage and she was paralyzed and she was not breathing on her own. And I was sitting beside her bed about 3 o'clock in the morning and I grabbed that motionless hand and I, I closed my eyes and I started praying, God, in Jesus' name, 
in Jesus' name. Touch this body right now. Move right now. And for probably 45 minutes to an hour, I never opened my eyes, just pleading the blood. I know you're able. And then when I opened my eyes, that hand was still as limp as it had been before I started praying. I didn't understand that. I didn't know what God was up to. Certainly didn't know why my daughter was having to go through those things. But sometimes God doesn't answer us when we want in the way that we want. But he does answer. And so I've imagined what Paul must have wrestled with that night. The pain, the agony. Oh, man. It it wasn't, you know, some people have said it was the burden of the church. I don't think I've ever been in a place where the burden of the church was that bad. But I've been in some places where my heart was so broken that I thought I was going to die. And I felt like if I died, I would be better off. And somehow I feel like that's how the Apostle Paul felt as he laid before God, begging him, just take this away. If you'll take it away, I'll preach more fervently. I'll, I'll pray longer. I'll, I'll, I'll be more diligent. I'll go to more cities. I'll reach more people. And God didn't answer him. And so he goes back the third time thinking maybe the third time would be the charm. And finally God speaks, but he didn't answer him the way he thought he was going to answer him. God speaks to him, but he doesn't speak in the way he wanted him to speak. And he simply says, my grace is sufficient. And that was all. My grace is sufficient. And Paul, out of that determined that if his grace was sufficient, I will therefore glory in my infirmities, that the power may be of Christ and not of me. I will not shy away from it. I will not be afraid of it because I realize that my weakness is an opportunity for a demonstration of God's power in me. And so he gave the glory to God. But the attack is what I, the, the, the purpose of that attack. In the Bible says it was a messenger of Satan given to him. It was not something he wanted, it was given. But it was a messenger of Satan. I don't even know if I fully understand all of the, what that means. My, my dear brother might be able to explain it better, but... If the devil's connected to it, I don't know anything good coming of it. And yet the Bible said it was a messenger of Satan. And this is what I've learned about the devil. The devil has nothing good planned for me. The devil has nothing purposeful planned for me. Everything that the devil has ever done in my life has been to undermine what God has tried to do for my life. And whatever the pain was, the purpose behind it was to somehow cause Paul to crumble. It was to cause his knees to buckle and his hands to let go and say, God, I can't take it anymore. That was what was behind it. I don't know. Maybe Paul was the modern version of Job. Maybe This was God's opportunity to show in us 
that Job was more than just a story, but the reality is that even in this day that a man can live under the most severe of attacks and yet survive no matter what the enemy might think to do against him. And the messenger of Satan had one thing in mind. I want to cause him to curse God and die. I want, to, I want to beat him down so low that he will never think of ever getting back up again. I want to put so many burdens on top of him that he will feel utterly helpless to ever stir himself to rise up and move again. That was the purpose of the devil's weight and burden on him. But what came out of it was something altogether different. It was something the devil had no idea was going to happen. That instead of destroying him, it made him. Instead of tearing his life apart, it helped put the missing pieces into place. So that Paul came out of his adversity with a deeper understanding of God and with a greater knowledge of the Lord than he had ever had before. And he wrestled with it like so many of us would have. And it seemed to no avail, but there came that point when he realized what God was up to and when he realized that, when he understood what was going on, He said, I will therefore glory in my infirmities. And he found, listen to me, Paul found a place in God through all of his suffering that the devil never intended for him to find. And some of you that have gone through the heartbreaks that no one can even imagine the burdens that you've had to carry. Perhaps the devil's intention, if he had anything to do with it, was that it might destroy you. But the fact that you're sitting here tonight is a testimony that what he had intended to happen has not happened. What he intended to do has not been done. And what has happened is that out of all of that, you have found a place in God that you would have never known if you had not had to go through the pain. Amen. Some of you are here tonight. If you look back over your life, you don't understand how everything brought you to where you are. I grew up in a little church in Wichita Falls. It wasn't too little, but it was a small church for what I've come to know in, in, in the church realm. But I grew up in a, in a forgotten part of Texas. Nobody knows where Wichita Falls is. If you say Wichita Falls, they think you're in Kansas. No, Oto or Dodo or whoever else may be in Kansas, but I'm, I'm from Texas. You know, you grow up thinking you'll never leave that place, and yet through all the ups and downs, the changes of life, here I am living I'm 60 years old. I'm in Houston, Texas, something I said I would never be. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Amen. Don't misread that. Don't misunderstand that. I'm happy to be here tonight. 
But I didn't plan my life that way. I, I didn't envision that when I laid myself on the altar and I told God, I'll do anything you want me to do. And I made those promises to God about what I wanted Him to do in my life. And if He would, I would serve Him in every way that I could. I had no imagining, uh, no imagining where all of that would take me or what I would have to go through in my journey to get where I am. But I can tell you this. I think I've found some places in God over the past few years that the devil never intended for me to find that I've gained something out of the pain and the suffering that he never intended. He wanted to destroy me. He wanted it to be the end of my life. He wanted me to be like countless others that have given up and and died on the roadside of life and you see their bones bleaching in the sun because they gave up one time, one day too soon or they turned back when the going got rough. But somehow, not by our strength, not by our might, not by our ability, but somehow just the fact that we made the effort to try one more time. God sent His power to help us and undergird us. And what we thought was us moving was actually God moving us. And the only reason I'm here tonight is because of the goodness of God. And what should have destroyed me, what should have made me bitter and angry and mad and brittle and resentful has in fact made me thankful that God could keep me through whatever life could throw at me. You see, out of the weakness, Paul said, I became strong. The devil never intended that. Out of his weakness, he wanted him to become weaker. He wanted him to say it was too much. And yet out of his weakness, he was made strong. And out of his poverty, he found the riches of God's grace that have yet to be fully explored. Oh, I wish I could preach the way I feel right now. God, help us to understand that all that you've gone through, and I want you to think about it. I'm not wanting to resurrect painful memories, but I want you just to go back over your life over the last few years and think about all the changes and the ups and downs and all of the things that have put you where you are. And no one would have ever envisioned us being where we are tonight, but here we are. And what should have been our end was in fact a thoroughfare. It became a doorway to something better. What should have crushed us, ruined us, made us just another statistic, has helped us become deeper in our walk with God and our love for God. Out of all of the infirmities, we have gained a greater confidence in God. You know, I will have to confess to you that I'm, and I don't mean this in a bragging manner, but My prayers today are a whole lot deeper than they were 10 years ago. And the sincerity of my prayers when I go to God in prayer are a lot deeper than they were 10 years ago because I didn't know 10 years ago what I know tonight. And you know what? It hadn't defeated me. It's put me down on my knees several times and it made me wonder a few days if I was ever going to come out 
But I am thankful to stand before you tonight as a living witness that what the devil intended for evil, God meant for good. Amen. What the devil intended to destroy me and tear me up and cause me to have a nervous breakdown. And some of you have been on the verge of a nervous breakdown because of all that you've had to go through. But somehow here you are. Your, your nerves may be fragile tonight, but you haven't had one. And you're not going to because God's grace is sufficient. He's going to undergird you underneath of the everlasting arm. And when you need him the most, God is always going to be there. God is never going to fail you. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. We have more power tonight. Our prayer life has more passion to it. And our soul has a greater compassion to it because of the things that we have suffered. Today you have a song that you didn't have a few years ago. Amen. You have a song tonight that you couldn't sing a year ago or two years ago. But you can sing it tonight because God has seen you through to this point. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm out of it. We'll just celebrate how far God's brought you. My Lord, do you have to go all the way to heaven to enjoy a little bit of heaven down here? Man. The old timer said God gave us a little bit of heaven to go to heaven on, and I believe that. So why don't we enjoy the little bit of heaven that we have right now amid all the hell and chaos that we have to live in. Let's stop for a moment and say, God, I'm still here. I may be bruised and battered and beaten and I may have scars where I never thought I'd have scars, but so be it. I am here tonight by the grace of God and by the goodness of God and the mercy of God has kept me and what the devil intended to destroy me has in fact developed me. Amen. And I have found something in God that the devil devil never wanted me to find in God. I have found a trust. I have found this out, that God will never fail me. (laughs) I have found out that when you pray, your prayers can reach farther than you ever imagined. I have a song tonight that I didn't have then. And you have a smile tonight that has a depth to it. There are lines when you smile now. They call them wrinkles. But I call them joy. Whatever you want to call it. Markings. They're the marks of triumph. Amen. And you know, you never know what's behind that smile. But when I smile... I know what the Lord has brought me through. When I lift my hands and praise God, I know what the Lord's done for me so that I could be here tonight. I may not feel 100%, but I'm going to give Him whatever percent I have because He has helped keep me and sustain me. And when the enemy would have ground me under His foot, God picked that foot up and said, Oh no, you're not going to destroy Him because that's my child. And I found the protection, I found the keeping, I found the mercy, I found the love, and I found a smile that you can have that I didn't have before. Amen. I remember talking to one sweet lady. Somebody had been offended by her worship in church one time, and she said, Oh, Pastor, if you 
only knew what I had to go through just to get to church tonight. And when I stepped into the sanctuary and I heard the song, I could not contain myself. I had to let God know, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Church, please hear me tonight. Don't ever be a judge of somebody else's worship because you don't know where that worship's coming from and you don't know what it's had to to go through or what they've had to go through in order to get that worship. So don't don't look at them as, as being annoying. Why don't you just lift your voice and join in with them and shout alongside them because somebody has victory tonight they didn't have yesterday or the day before. Because they found something in God. They found a strength in God that they didn't have before. They went through all of this. They learned something about God that they didn't know until they suffered. Amen. So don't ever judge somebody. Don't ever be guilty of what what David's wife was, was guilty of. Judging his worship. And making fun of it and ridiculing it. And she said, oh, didn't you show yourself to be a great king today? David's response was, you don't even know what you're talking about, woman. I wasn't doing this before people. I wasn't doing this to please people. I was doing this before the Lord. Because I know what that ark means. I know what it coming back into our possession means to our nation. And so I rejoice. Sometimes you just don't understand. Why not just join with them and rejoice? When others rejoice, isn't that what the Bible said, that we should rejoice with them? Instead of us saying, well, they're annoying me. Why don't you lift your voice and praise God alongside them and it won't annoy you anymore. This is what I've learned about people that are easily annoyed is, They hadn't learned very much in life. They hadn't learned very much through all they've gone through. But when you go through enough pain, there's a compassion that comes out of it that can come from no other place. And you know what else I found? I found a peace. I found a peace that passeth all understanding. A peace that's settled. It's deep. It's like a river. You don't see it moving, but it is moving. You don't necessarily recognize the life that's in it, but there's life in it. And that wasn't, that wasn't there before. My life could probably more adequately be defined as a brook, something that made a lot of noise, but it wasn't very deep because there were a lot of obstacles in the way. And somehow God has helped deepen that channel through the continuation of that flow of adversity until now the channel's deeper and there's no ripples on the surface of the water. The rocks are still there, but you don't know it because there is this deep abiding peace that nothing can take away from you. The greatest peace of all is to know that this didn't stop me. (laughs) Ha, ha. Amen. You ought to lift up your voice right now and cry out to the devil if he's listening and say, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. 
You thought you were going to destroy me, but God has used it to make me. You thought you were going to kill me, but I'm more alive tonight than I've ever been. Amen. And I'm more thankful than I've ever been. You see, the devil didn't intend for Paul to find that out about God. Because once you find that out about God, you, you can't ever lose that. And the devil can never take that away from you. I read somewhere years ago that in, the, in, 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 the, in a room of 100 people, there are 101 minds. There are 100 individual minds and then there's one mind of the group. And that's what makes the dynamic and synergy of a group of people more powerful than somebody by themselves. That's why the iron sharpeneth iron. That's why when you get together and, and you're talking things over, you come up with better solutions than when you're sitting by yourself at the coffee table crying over your pains. But when you're in a church service and, and we share our burdens and we help one another, we find a new perspective on life and we realize that this is not the end of my life and the devil is not going to destroy me out of this. Amen. And he didn't get me. He may have intended to, but he didn't get me. And in fact, it has reversed just to the opposite of what what he intended. He wanted me to come out of it being mad at God and resentful and hateful. He wanted me to have an edge on my life about God and spiritual things. He wanted me to be brittle. Nobody touch me. Nobody's going to reach me. But instead of that, there's something in me. There's a love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I can't help it. But I am thankful tonight. I'm not perfect. I'm not making, I'm not joying all the time because I have adversity. But if that's what it takes to get me a little closer to God, then bring it on, devil. I'm not afraid of what you can do to me because you cannot kill what God has put life in. Amen. Let's stand together.